What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. It is Tuesday, July 31st, the last day in July. It's about to be August. Hello, August. Welcome. We missed you. Good to have you back. You know what August means. Pre-season football. It starts Thursday night with the Hall of Fame game. Just occurred to me that I'm going to have to figure out a way to recap that podcast, that game for people on Friday, aren't I? Not going to get off the hook on it, am I? Um, I'm going to Vegas on Thursday with uh, the Odd Shark folks. There's going to be a uh, Prisco will be Pete Prisco will be there. Nick Costas will be there. Working right now to get you a little treat. I know there's some people out there who really, really like Nick Costas and Pete Prisco. I'm one of those people, but we're working now to get you a little treat. Maybe some uh, some Vegas podcast action with three of the four horsemen. The other horseman, Jason Lacanfora, driving around the Rust Belt right now. We're going to talk to him. In a few minutes, spoke with him on uh, Monday night while JLC was in the car, heading from Cleveland to Buffalo, oddly enough. He's going, because then he's going to Detroit after that, but so he's going up to Buffalo and then back around through Canada to Detroit. Hmm. He's got to question the, the geography moves there, but nevertheless, that's fine. Um, also coming this week, Ross Tucker. Former NFL player, great media guy, kills it in all formats. And, uh, Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders, cause their preview is out. Uh, I'll plug it when Aaron's on the show, but you should definitely check that out. And if you haven't listened to the show from last Friday, Warren Sharp of Sharp Football, really check that out. Great show as well. Informative, um, statistical analysis uh, of football. And I think if you, if you like the game and you like deep, interesting thoughts, about football and, and stats. You'll dig that. Um, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. There's another Pick 6 podcast out there. Whoops. Didn't realize that when we named it. What are you going to do? Um, and uh, it was higher than us in the iTunes rankings. It's about Nebraska football, which is sort of embarrassing. So if you could go and uh, bump us up a little bit, I'd appreciate that. Tell your friends. Hit that subscribe button. You want to hit the five star button? Greatly appreciated. I'm not going to act like I'm depressed. Yeah, I was depressed about it. It's fine. Um, you know how I'm going to take care of that depression? We got a pick six podcast league. Sorry, I said that wrong. Pick six, pick six podcast pick 'em league. Um, you don't have to pick six games. You get to pick all the games against the spread. The plan right now, and I'm probably putting the cart ahead of the proverbial horse, the proverbial cart ahead of the horse. Um, I can't give you full details, but we want to offer surprises working through the legalities and the marketing aspects of that right now. But the folks at CBS like to promote it. So if you want to join the podcast league, and there are a lot of people in it last year, a couple thousand people were in it, um, go to pick6pod.football.cbssports.com. I'll tweet out a link to it too, but it's free to join. We do weekly picks. Uh, we're going to try and give away a prize every week. Uh, I'll put new podcast episodes or news about the podcast up on that, up on that page. It can sort of be like a little homepage for it. And, uh, and hopefully we should have some very cool prizes for it. If you have suggestions on things you would like to see in that pie, in that pickums league, let me know. Um, I'd be happy to do a pick six podcast fantasy league. Tweet me and, um, we'll, we'll see how many people we can get involved in that. Maybe play for a little cash or something like that. Um, so that's sort of the house cleaning stuff. Some news around the NFL. By the way, if you, uh, a lot of fl- heavy flurry of emails this week. I like it. For, uh, willbrinson at gmail.com if you want me to provide you 
I got a lot of stuff I got to do at the house right now. Big to-do list before I get out of town. I would much rather answer your emails about your fantasy football team than, than do this stuff. So feel free to email me, willbrinson at gmail.com, or tweet me at willbrinson. Uh, if you want to do that, I'm happy to answer it. I, ask anyone who has received an email from me. They've, the response is I'll, – I'll, I'll write you like 500 to 1,000 words in response. It's great. It's a really great usage of my time. Uh, but I, you know what? I like, I like talking to people about football. Uh, so news from the NFL. Sam Darnold signed his contract with the Jets. He's the number three overall pick. It's good news that the Jets actually got it taken care of. I'm a little rankled about this still, though, because I didn't think they needed to drag Darnold the way they did. They wanted language included uh, where if Darnold were suspended or fined by the NFL for either on-field behavior, uh, personal conduct policy, substance abuse policy, or PED policy, then they could take away some of his guaranteed money. And that's weak, man. That's weak. You just drafted the kid number three overall. He's a stand-up guy. He's been on this very podcast. You know he's a stand-up guy. You can't ask him to get, to, to loot, to void a, a, a scaled down rookie contract because, you know, something that might be out of his control. Now, obviously the PED stuff and the, the substance abuse stuff is, is within his purview, but I mean, you know, who knows what the, I mean, what Tom Brady got suspended for knowing, like maybe knowingly deflating footballs or having, being generally aware. If you're Sam Darnold, you can't sign that. And he didn't. Good for him. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Uh, reports that he did include the offset language, which means if the Jets somehow cut him within the first four years and he plays for someone else, uh, they'll get to take off whatever else he makes from that other team off of what they owe him. That ain't going to happen. He's going to be there four years. And um, Florio also reported that he got $20 million of the 30 million dollars. Uh, he's going to get that within the first 15 days of signing the contract. So good for you, Sam Darnold. Get rich. Ross Cockrell, the Panthers cornerback, likely out for the year after suffering a broken leg in Panthers practice. It was so bad that Ron Rivera ended the practice. Uh, Cockrell was heard screaming, I think my leg is broken or, or something along those lines, probably with some more obscenities. Brutal injury early in training camp. Uh, tackle Daryl Williams only expected to miss, I believe, six weeks. Uh, I'm kind of running with what my pal Chris Allen told me when we got coffee. We're talking about the podcast. But uh, if that's the case, then that's very good news for the for the Carolina Panthers because if he misses the whole season, it's a kneecap injury. So we'll see. I mean, I look. I'm not saying Chris is not a doctor. I'm not either. But let's let's a knee injury. Let's see. Let's see how it ends up working out. Uh, I think he pointed to Jordan Rodriguez, who's a great Panthers reporter, uh, talking about that on uh, WFNZ in Charlotte. So look, that's two starters though for the Panthers early in training camp. That has to be a bit of a concern. Jerry Jones in the news. His national anthem column comments have, have raised or yeah, raised the rancor. But people are mad about it. Okay. Dale Hansen specifically of WFAA.com did his uh, monologue thing and he called out uh, Jerry noting that Jerry wore his hat during the national anthem at training camp, which Dale's got a point there. You know, if you're going to, Gonna demand that everybody stand for the national anthem. You stick your hat off too. I almost think, I almost think. Well, I don't want to get into the politics of it. It's not the politics of it. I just, to me, wearing a hat is more offensive than taking a knee. I don't know. That's just me. My grandfather would, he wouldn't let me wear a hat in in the house. I don't know. Hats, hat. Wearing a hat during the national anthem, it's a bad look. Take the hat off. You hold the hat in your hand, and you put your hand across your heart while holding the hat. That's just my take. Um. Dale Hansen's take too. 
Andrew Luck continues to, quote, light it up at training camp. According to Zach Kiefer, the Indy Star is actually a great guy. We need to get him on this podcast, too. Went 19 for 21 and threw some deep touchdowns to T.Y. Hilton mm, against a bad Colts defense. Hmm? Almost like a guy might be tossing the ball a lot, might be slinging it around the yard. Hope you got that 30-1 to bet in on him to lead the league in passing. It's down to 23-1 to already. It's going to creep down as he keeps blowing up. It's going to be under 15-1 to by the time the season starts. I'm telling you, bad defense, questionable running game, good receivers, makes for a lot of passes for Andrew Luck. Uh, Patrick Mahomes also lit it up for the Chiefs. I believe we were 19 of 21 as well and hitting guys for a couple deep touchdowns. Uh, I, I'm in on the Chiefs over this year, eight and a half. You should be too. Chiefs are going to be good. People are sleeping on Eric Berry coming back. Chargers suffered another injury, of course, with Jason Verrett. Andy, Andy Reid should not be a three to one bet to win his own division. Just shouldn't be. Um, and then John Gruden. So this Khalil Max still, I saw, um, John Middlecoff, former scout uh, from the Raiders and, and the Bay Area guy pointing out that he thinks that maybe there could be a Khalil Mack trade is at least possible. Don't know if it will happen, but at least possible. Um, and uh, Gruden, apparently, according to, to Mack, this whole Mack standoff is happening, so there's a lot going on. Colton Miller starting at left tackle. A lot of reasons. Talking about the AFC West, too, not to like the Raiders. Um, and John Gruden is showing Raiders players, this is according to tight end Jared Cook, film from the 1970s. He's showing them grainy film from the 70s, and he's talking about plays he's drawing from that. A lot of questions with the Raiders. That's all I'm saying. Let's get a lot of questions for uh, Jason Lock and Four about the Eagles, the Steelers, and the Browns. Let's go talk to JLC. All right, Jason, got you uh, cruising down the road. What um, what what's, what's your tune to choice when you're not listening to the Pick Six podcast through your <laughs> through your Bluetooth? I, I will be honest with you, this time of year, uh, I do tune in to a fair amount of MLB radio because we've got the trade deadline coming up. Uh, you know, we're, as you and I are talking about before the deadline. So I'm listening to that. I'll listen to NFL radio. I take a rental car. So I'm all over. So it's not like I've got my car with my stuff in it. I'm not, I just break like, I, I, I'm always screwed up with my, uh, I never have my, my uh, iPods that charge, you know what I mean? And I, yeah. I, don't, I always forget it's in my bag. So, yeah. So, so you're not, of, you're not uh, driving down the road. You're not driving down the road with like a cultivated playlist for each individual training camp and or. No, there are, there, there are no playlists. It's basically, uh, yeah, it's basically MLB radio, NFL radio, a little bit of Howard Stern, maybe first wave, maybe uh, a fair amount of Oz. Bodard and uh, and uh, whatever the hell the other metal channel is on uh, on series. If I'm driving at night, yeah, I'm, it's, it's mo- that's mostly it. Mostly metal. Uh, I like it. All right. Well, let's. We last time we talked to you, you had been to Baltimore, and you have since been. You are on the way right now uh, to Buffalo from Cleveland, yeah. which it, yeah. t- it, t- it took me like ten minutes to figure that out on the map because I'm an idiot. Um, but the stops, you, you've been to Pittsburgh, you've been to Philadelphia, and now you've yeah. been to Cleveland. So we'll, we'll, we'll go backwards in chronological order and head back to Philly. And I know you wrote, I think, two stories about Carson Wentz. Is there yeah, any, I was there two days. Is there any chance, worked. was there any chance he's not starting week one? There's a chance. 
Sure. I, I mean, there's still a lot of time between now and then. Preseason games, you've got to be cleared for uh, for contact. And, you know, I know that uh, they did give him a better day off, uh, you know, step by left, because he practiced three or four straight days. And then, you know, they gave him a day off, which which makes sense. Um, they're not they're not trying to climb that mountain uh, right now, but they're certainly trying to get him prepared to be able to climb out in December, October, November, December, January, and February. I was super impressed. I mean, honestly, he didn't have the uh, he didn't have the, the big brace on his left knee. He wouldn't have been like you know hanging on his left Wouldn't have thought that this is a guy who you know just got. You know, suffered serious knee injury in early December, didn't have the surgery until the middle of December or so. And, and he's, he's a freak. He is. And he, he how terrific he is. He's almost like a little kid, like between drills, he's kind of jumping up and down. And, you know, especially that first practice and his first time, you know, before 11 or 11. So he's really, you know, kind of, he can be chomping at the bit to get in there and popping uh, up and down, a lot of nervous, you know, nervous energy in a good way. I mean, look, they weren't throwing, you know, he wasn't running the ball 50 yards downfield. He wasn't, you know, uh, they, he wasn't throwing a whole lot of key stuff. I mean, they were the first two practices of the camp. Everybody was easy to get to with him. So bad, not that anybody And, you know, it was fairly rudimentary stuff, but he was able to do everything everybody else did. He stretched a lot, too. To see if he favored the right day or did some stretching drills with the, uh, sense that the Eagles and I, I don't I don't think this would be the case because I think this team is pretty hungry and, and you know they have enough a good mixture of veterans and talented like young guys but you don't you don't get a sense of like a we won and we're happy to you know we're you know what I mean like a, like no. not happy to be there since you know what I mean no no because the guys who literally are the heart of that team the leaders at various key roles get to play in the game I mean, Jason Peters is mm. the, the leader of that offensive line. He has to play the game. Uh, Chris Marigos is the leader of their special teams. He has to play the game. You know, Jordan Hicks, the uh, heart and soul died several defense. He has to play the game. Carson Walt went the face of the franchise. He has to play the game. Darren Sproles, you know, who's the leader of the running back. Veteran old head then. He has to play the game. But there's a lot of guys who feel like we got unfinished business here. And you look at the roster right now with those guys. You know, Peters was on it with the one. You know, rolled from day one, took a, a check down from Lance and was, you know, running through the defense. You know, now how they hold up over the full season. You know, you know those guys have had their share of injuries recently. And, you, you know, I don't know that how fry and, you know, carefree they'll look after battling for 16 weeks. But, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to look at there and a lot and a lot to like. 
All right, sliding across the state to the so who has higher expectations? Who would be who would be more disappointed with not making it at least with not hosting a playoff game this year? The Eagles or the Steelers? I mean, they're. It would not. I mean, it would not go over well in Pittsburgh. I put it to you. I mean, that division does not look very good. They don't have the issue of a quarterback coming back off the speed injury. This is it with Le'Veon Bell. Um, the the Patriots look vulnerable. I mean, if Pittsburgh manages to somehow not win that division, I think they're. I mean, I'm not saying they'd be hell to pay, and with the Rooney's, I'm not saying they would fire Mike Tomlin. But that would be uh, an awkward offseason because there would be a lot of hand wringing going on there. But Philly is, I mean, I've driven from Baltimore to Philadelphia. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my life. Go back to when I covered, you know, ice hockey and I covered the Capitals and I'd be up there all the time for games and I've listened to WIP. It's all different times of the year. Like, really, from the age of, you know, 16 when I got my driver's license, we would go see that play, you know, the Flyers at the Spectrum or whatever, and go see the Philly. But, like, all my life, and it has always been straight venom. Everybody is on cloud. It's unlike anything I've ever heard in my life. Like, I was sitting there with Howard Eskins watching one of the practice. Just like, I remember driving up here the same time a year ago, and they wanted Doug Peterson. We're talking late August. They wanted <laughs> Doug Peterson fired. They wanted Howie roasted, roasted on a spit. They were killing them for bringing in LeGarrette Blunt. They wanted LeGarrette Blunt cut before they had even had three preseason practices. But, oh, he's unnecessary. They were shredding every personnel move made. And Peterson's over his head. And Howie doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, and now, like, every, like, not that it's still not a crazy market, but it is the most epic, tranquil, peaceful, like, vibes coming from that fan base of that city that I've ever seen in my life. Like, that, you know, if there is a Super Bowl hangover, and for the reasons we talked about, I don't think there's going to be one or a drastic one, but if it was, like, I think that city would be ready to hand out a politics to those guys. Wow. So, like, if, if there's a Super Bowl hangover, it's not even a hangover, it's like, it's when you're still drunk the next day or maybe when you go get a Bloody Mary. Like, you don't feel bad. You know what I mean? Like, like they don't wake up feeling awful. They wake up feeling exuberant. But you're right. I mean, like, this whole – like, Eagles fans are – they're still salty and they still want to win and they're still going to come at you on Twitter. But by and but large – The edge isn't the same. It's not the yeah. same edge. Everything isn't the apocalypse the way – it literally was like, well, Derek Blunt's not going to have a place on the roster. Just cut him right down. It's like, well, I don't know. How was Frank up like three weeks ago? He probably had a reason for that. Like, <laughs> he's not, you know, he's making like one and a half million dollars. He's not blowing up the cap. Like, why don't we see him? Like, let's just see how it goes in the regular season before, like, that's the, you know, it, it's literally it used to be, you know, a catastrophe a day. Like, one huge, like, every day had to have its own unique drama and now that's gone like that's gone like that's it's not their mo anymore now if they go 10 years without winning again well, you know maybe they can, they can put the band back together they'll feel the hate band but it, <laughs> it's just different there man like people wouldn't be like people wouldn't be happy but they wouldn't be jumping off bridges. wow all right i mean in philly i mean in, in pittsburgh excuse me uh, that yeah, I think you're right. That is not the case. The the Ravens are in this transition, as we talked about with Lamar Jackson and and Joe Flacco. The Bengals are coming 
the Bengals are like refuse to let Marvin Lewis die, and the Browns would be happy with five or six wins. We'll get to them in a second, yeah. but but with the Steelers, I mean, this is it in terms of the window for the three Bs, right? Ben Brown yeah. and Bell. I mean, this is the final hurrah. They're still going to have a good offensive line. They're still going to have some pieces on defense. Roethlisberger is going to play another three or four years or whatever it is. Brown's going to be the best wide receiver for a while. But without Le'Veon Bell, this changes everything after this year, right? Well, I mean, I don't know if it changes everything, but it changes roster construction. I mean, I got they ain't going to be paying a running back fifteen million dollars in twenty nineteen and having them count fifteen against the cap. So, I mean, in that you know, in that regard, they've got to have more flexibility, and they're going to be. Um, shuffling around assets, and a lot of that money, or at least a portion of that money, is going to be earmarked for Ben because he's in really good shape, but he's letting it be known that you know mm. he's ready to get paid in six months. Um, but yeah, as we know them, you know, at this for this particular sort of era of, of those, you know, that that triumvirate, this is this is probably. Well, I mean, this is it. I love it. So, so this is it, and uh, everybody knows that. There's a certain finality to it. Um, and there's also a sense among a lot of people that coach staff in the front office that they could have put almost anything in front of Le'Veon and he wasn't going to sign it. Like, he wants to see what the open market can bear, which is obviously his prerogative, and that's, you know, what free agency's for. And, you know, nobody's had to wait longer to get there than him with, the, you know, the multiple franchise tag. So that's just that's just what it is. That's the dynamic. They hope he shows up you know, more than a couple of days before week one, but they fully expect he won't probably show up until the same way he did it last year. And, and it might take him a week or two to be himself. And then they hope they can keep him healthy the rest of the year. He had 60 more touches than anybody in the NFL last year, despite missing camp. I think he's in line for that again. Uh, if they're renting him, they don't own him. There's no pitch count. Mm. So, no, all right, so the two things I took away from that, one, if you – are, if, I mean, just from a, like, if you're, if you're drafting Le'Veon Bell in fantasy, you need to be aware that they are going to run him into the, like, I think that's a net positive if you're, I mean, for that purpose. For Le'Veon Bell's free agency purposes, maybe not, but, I mean, like, they're going to run him into the friggin' ground, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got a first time offensive coordinator, and, you know, what's safer than checking it down to Le'Veon Bell, a wheelhouse to Le'Veon Bell, or, you know, this, this running play, that running play, whatever. Um, I don't think his workload's going to decrease. But he had the most touches in the NFL in 2009. Chris Johnson, uh, you know, Chris Johnson, CK, 2K, whatever it was, CK, 2K season. Um, <laughs> you know, you, and that you... seems like a long time ago from how much football has continually evolved coming out of the, the lockout and becoming more and more pass happy. But, he, you know, he touched 60 times more than the previous season, 60 times more than anybody in the NFL, and the most is Chris Jackson. Uh, Chris Johnson in that season, and I don't think any of those dynamics are changing. Uh, I, I, I don't. And, and if you recall, he only touched it 13 times in week one against Cleveland. He ran 10 times for like 30 yards, wasn't effective, caught three short passes. And then the rest of the year, he averaged 28 touches a game. So I, I think that's his workload. Are you, are, you worried, are you worried that he can handle it? I mean, he did it last year. He's got, you know, he's got a 15 mil in his pocket, and after the girly, you know, contract, he's going to think that he's got, you know, 35 plus million guaranteed and 45 million, more than 45 million over three. I mean, he could have 45 over three from, from the Steelers and 33 over two, and he, he turned it down out of hand. So he's got to, you know, be thinking there's a massive pot of gold on the other side of this 16 game rainbow or, you know, maybe 18 games, maybe 19 games. 
uh, depending how far they go in the playoffs. So I, I think he gets it, you know. And he was in tremendous shape when he showed up, you know, but it's just, you know, I was talking to Kevin Colbert about it. He's like, nobody's going to doubt his conditioning. We don't doubt the words he puts in. But unless he's running around South Beach with a bunch of, you know, uh, defensive ends and defensive tackles who are out of work who are pounding on him, there's, there is no substitute for football shape. Right. Uh, you mentioned Ben's in great shape and wants to be paid in six months. Does that mean that next offseason we are going to go through a three-month drama fest with Ben Roethlisberger demanding a new contract and being Ben about all this stuff and, 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 and threatening to retire and, and maybe trade rumors and other uh, asinine aspects of Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, the, trade, the trade story last time around complete fallacy. No, no, I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying like – Just as fake as – just as fake as the idea that the Steelers offered Le'Veon Bell $10 million fully guaranteed at signing. Now, just think about whether someone whispered that in your ear or not. Like, he's got a tender that pays him 15, just under $15 million for this year. Yeah. And it's, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers who've been a pretty functional front office for a long time. I, really, they, they gave him $10 million guaranteed at signing. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. regardless, like, they're but not no, gonna... with Ben, it's... It, it, it's already established. Everybody, all the players involved, the Rooney, Kevin Calder, the you know Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, his agent. Everybody knows what it is. If he's Ben Roethlisberger again this year, you know, then next year that's always the they don't let quarterbacks go into lame duck situations. They always take care of quarterbacks and coaches the year before the lame duck. So with how much that market has moved, you know, he'll get his one more bite at the apple. Structure will be very interesting though because. You know, I, I'm still get still get definite guaranteed money through the second year of that deal, but that might be it because you know I don't know how well he's going to age, and they they are very intent on developing Mason Rudolph. Did they, did you see any of Mason Rudolph in the, in the training camp portions? Yeah, I saw a lot of them because <laughs> you kind of love you kind of love Mike Tom with that. He, I mean, it was the third day of camp, the first day in pack, and Ben Roethlisberger wasn't out. What? Yeah. Why? It's like a, it wasn't like a veteran's day off, because it wasn't like there was eight guys who got that off. I don't know, man. A lot of people, including people on that staff, were scratching their heads. But Ben was just, he was working out. He showed up about three, it was a long practice. I felt like we were out there practicing. It was like a two and a half long added practice. And he showed up on a golf cart about an hour and a half, two hours into it. And then Ramon Foster was hurt, so he was helping Ramon get him on the golf cart, take him, you know, helping him get the car to the hospital. But yeah, he was in, a, you know, a t-shirt shirt. But look, that's been it's been that way there for a long time. It's been getting a lot of car launch. There's I can't remember the last six times I've been there, and it's usually early in camp, and it's usually right around the first time of practice. That I most more often than not, I, I remember looking around, saying, hey, "Where's that?" Really? Better in day off. He's taking care of something. I'm like, third day camp? All right. But, hey, I was in Cleveland the next day for the fourth day camp, and Bob just... Garrett got a better day off. <laughs> I'm scared. What a crude season. I was like, okay. All right. Well, you know. That was going to be yeah. my, that. was going to be This my... ain't Grandpa's NFL. I mean, I know two days have been going a long time, but Bob Garrett gets a better day off. You know, Jamie Collins, okay, I kind of got that one. I'll get it, too. I mean, it's like the third or fourth day of practice. And the players were having Tuesday off. So this was Sunday. I was there Sunday. He got a day off. And then they had a light practice Monday. Um, 
certainly lighter than Sunday's practice. And then Tuesdays, everybody's off. Because the CBA, you know, you got it. Like, once they're in for, like, seven days, you have to give them a day off. So, hey, yeah. man. Well, that was gonna be that I was gonna be that's, that's that, how everybody rolled. That was gonna be my segue to the Browns was when you mentioned a Veterans Day off. I, I saw that on Twitter. I think you pointed that out that Miles Garrett, who pl- played in eight games last year, yeah, and, he, and, he's, right. and he's four days into practice and he's getting a day off. Is that um, was that something people were sort of talking about in the sense of man? I this, think more like on the outside looking in, like, yeah, wow. yeah. But I mean, in, for this staff, I mean, like the kids had his his share of injury stuff and obviously going back to college and they're, they're, they're basically kind of like stick them muscle strains around here, you know, and, and all, all the, the different kind of stuff they've been dealing with hamstrings and quads and, you know, it's Corey Coleman's been fighting through stuff in this game in the league. So I, you know, they're, they're going to err on the side of caution. And in this case, it was like, let's, you know, we're just going to bring him along the way we're bringing him along. And he's going to get, Sunday off, so he, he got Sunday off. Was was there anything that you saw about the Browns and just the team in general, the coaching staff, the front office, whatever it was, that led you to believe this is a six to eight win team this year? Uh, just, I mean, just just the depth chart. I mean, my, you know what I mean. Miles Garrett could play. Otto could play. They don't have a left tackle, but the rest of the offensive line is solid. Duke Johnson, if they ever use them right. Be a pretty effective third down back. I know Todd Haley threw like Todd Haley, right? We just said Le'Veon Bell on eighty-five balls last year. I'm not saying Duke Johnson is Le'Veon Bell, but then he catches sixty balls. Um, Tyrod Taylor's infinitely better than Deshaun Kaiser was a year ago when he had no business playing. Todd Haley calling the plays much better than Hugh Jackson, especially Hugh Jackson calling plays and trying to be the head coach and trying to be the quarterback coach, you know, and sparring with Deshaun Kaiser like that. Better. I mean, they didn't have a Jarvis Landry a year ago. And Joku in year two, they had a cake to the drops the other day. But my God, you walk on the field and look at that guy, and he looks like he should be playing both ways, you know, defensive end and tight end. I mean, Jesus. he's got his arms, like, um, he's got the longest arms I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's like if this guy was a DN, I can't imagine it's a swim move. He, he gets that arm up behind your neck, just flying off your feet. Like, so he's got to be consistent, but there's clay to mold there. And um, I mean, Josh Gordon and me, if they get anything out of him, I've always thought that's a bonus. You can't thank on that guy. But, you know, we'll see if Corey Coleman finally stays healthy. They're really high on Callaway. And people at the Fresh Bell Department tell him he belongs. Now, he's got to stay out of trouble. He's got to prove he belongs in a locker room. And I know he can play football, but, you know, he, he's going to have to earn that right with his behavior and attitude and everything else. You know, so far, so good for him. But, you know, there's there's talent. I mean, Kirksey and Collins, at linebacker, like, you know, Denzel Ward, I don't know that he's going to be markedly better than the other corners in his draft, but they do. And if he is, that's an immediate upgrade at a position, you know, they've been looking for forever. So, no, they're, they're respect- they should be respectable. They should be a professional football outfit that's competitive more weeks than not, that doesn't pee down its leg in the fourth quarter, that doesn't completely go into self-destruct mode anytime the game's close, and then wins five to seven games. I don't think that's out of the question. I saw this. You said something too. You you heard from somebody. There's no bleeping way. Maybe that Baker. I think that was the pit to fair paraphrase. Well, yeah. I mean, the just those several people I talked to today with the way out. It's just like yeah, because there's you know there's a Baker love fest going on, and I get it. They got a lot that's in it, and they stand on you know basically every quarterback they touched since they came back in the league in '99, and certainly everything they touched under Haslam. So you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, we know everybody's telling you Baker, and Baker has looked good. 
but like the other guy is here at like six a.m. Not the Baker's not here, but like the other guy is so much better than anything we've had around here forever. Mm-hmm. And the other guy is such a leader, and the other guy is so forward, and the other guy is so much better than him right now that we don't want to see Baker for a long time. And you know, we've been we've been better not seeing him week one. Like it's not as much as they need to you know pump Baker up, and you want to make the preseason look like it counts, and you know, you want to always say that we're going to evaluate everybody for so long. Unless he gets hurt, Tyrod Taylor is going to start recording. For how long remains to be seen. I think it's going to be quite a while. I think it's going to be a good portion of this season. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see how hard Knox portrays it. And obviously, everybody's being very careful what they say publicly. But everything I heard coming out of the spring there was like nothing to see here. Tyrod's the guy. And everything I heard coming out of there after two days of practice in the summer was nothing to see here as I ride the guy. So do you, how long do you think the leash is on Hugh Jackson? And does the leash go, Hugh loses games, Hugh puts in Baker first? Or is it Hugh loses games, Hugh's gone, bump Todd Haley to the front? I mean, how does that, how does that play out? I, I don't know. The have the planet. You know, it's kind of Cleveland, it's football Siberia. So I, I don't. I, I mean, as much as I think things have changed, they—they, you know, they—they they, the media tried to pin them down over the weekend. I got there Sunday, Saturday, um, while I was in Pittsburgh. The Haslam's gave their sort of state of the grounds address and talked for you know quite a while with the local media. And all that they would you know contend is we need to see progress. I mean, obviously, you know, duties in the eyes of the beholder. There, progress. Does the progress mean three wins? Does progress mean? Seven wins, uh, no one knows. I'm not sure they know. Some of it will just be the eye test. But, you know, how is the in-game decision-making? Is it you functioning better now that he's not wearing five hats? If they are out of it, and, and, you know, but they're relatively competitive, but out of it the second half of the season, and Mayfield looks like he's coming along, then, you know, that could be a, a feather in his cap. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody knows. But, like, when you've lost this many games, if it gets to be, like, 0-6, 0-7, I would think at some point logic would just say, we're not winning a game with this guy. He's never won a game on Sunday, right? His only win was, <laughs> yeah. I think, a Saturday night, the game against the Chargers right around Christmas. <laughs> that's, like, that's... at some point, I think you would say, like, okay, let's just try something different. Whether it's Todd Haley or Greg Williams, you know, whatever. But I'm not sure. I know they have a tough early season schedule, but, like, I don't know that it gets those. I think they're going to be relatively competitive. Well, uh, just to let you know, and you can you can use this factoid as you want. You're right; they've never won a game on a Sunday. I love pointing that out. Uh, here are their first six games: the Steelers at home, Week One. I at, think that's a competitive game. I do too. I, I do give too. Give the Steelers a game. Right, but then they're at the Saints. Then they get yeah, the they get the Jets at home, and it's on a Thursday. That's, that's a that's a what you got to try to win. That that's the game you got to try to win. And it's on a Thursday. That's the funny part. Um, then they're at the Raiders, and then they get the Ravens and Chargers at home. Yeah. They could be one and five with a win on Thursday night and fire Hugh Jackson, which would be, so Hugh would have never won a game on, on a Sunday. I don't think they're going to fire. I think they're going to try and give him the leash. And I, I think you're right. This Todd Haley thing to me is the, th- is the part that no one's talking about is they've given Todd Haley an efficient mobile quarterback with a high end young tight end. Some talented wide receiver, a safety valve in Jarvis Landry, and then yep. a receiving back in Duke Johnson, and yep. two dudes in Carlos Hyde and, and Nick Chubb that should be able to pound the rock. I mean, the, the other thing I saw, Jason, that you pointed out, the left tackle 
Were they get miles? Yeah, that's that, that's what gives me pause. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and they don't have one on the roster now. Maybe maybe the next six weeks they develop one, but as it stands right now, if you had to go to war with this group today, you're you're you know you better have Tyrod back there. Who's a loser who doesn't turn it over? Who knows when to just kill a play and live to fight another day? And that's just yet another reason why there's no way you're put safe. And and with the with the murderers row they play early in the year. Why why you know what I mean? And, yeah. and the and the angst of we haven't won here in two years. Like why would you ever even seriously consider putting that kid into it right now? It, it, yeah. No, I'm it's with you. Not, it's not a competition. All right. Well, uh, we'll let you get back on the road, get back to listen to some metal. Instead, you can stop talking on the Pick 6 Podcast. Always a pleasure, buddy. At Jason Lock and Four on Twitter. Uh, follow his travels around the country as he checks out training camp. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ and uh, look for his work on CBSSports.com. All right, brother. Talk to you down the road. Thanks, dude.